Craft Beer Radio, March 7th, 2011. Craft Beer Radio, where we're already sick of Charlie Sheen jokes. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. Yeah, we were going to come up with some witty Charlie Sheen joke, and we're like, eh, we're sick of it. Yeah. Imperial Stouts. Pretty much. Pretty much. So we have uh, three, maybe four beers tonight, depending how we're feeling. I'm not sure if we're going to do the, this one or not, since it's old and no one can buy it anymore. Um, but we have three other ones. Let's start off with Boris the Crusher. Boris... The Crusher. Now, this one, let me get these things up here. This is from Carl Strauss Brewery. No, this is Boris the Crusher. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Hoppin' Frog. Yes. Hoppin' Frog in someplace. Akron, Ohio. Yeah. So, Boris the Crusher, Oatmeal Imperial Stout. Excuse me. It's it's a Russian style. Uh, Winner of the... Gold medal in the Great American Beer Fest in 2008. 9.4% alcohol by volume. 107 is the original gravity at 25.3 degrees. Play those 60 IBUs. All right, this thing. Well, you can smell the alcohol. Pours opaque and black, combination of imperial stuff and oats in it. She's not going to let any light through it at all. I mean, you hold it up to the light directly, like, there's, like, no highlights, no yeah, nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. It's just, it's motor oil dark. The head is, is a extremely dark tan. Yeah, it's, a, it's quickly vanishing. High alcohol beers typically don't have much along the ways of head, so it fades quickly. But it's definitely a dark tan, very caramel-type flavor, or color. The first smell I got was... Burning alcohol as I swirl around, it's, it's a little bit sweeter. Okay, I wasn't really getting so much alcohol. I was getting barley, like roasted barley, maybe some of the oat, but you know, a lot of green aromas off of it. A little bit of alcoholic warming in the aroma. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can take it in the aroma, if you smell the aroma, you can pretty mm-hmm. be sure it's pretty massive in the beer. I'm getting a bit of acetone out of this, are you? Maybe a touch. Not too... I mean... Maybe. I was thinking it was more just the alcohol in it. It could be. Um, but the alcohol is made very apparent. Without being burny so much as just the, the flavor mm-hmm. is there. Um, it ends on a very roasty note. Mm-hmm. Uh, extremely, you know, sort of like... Um, almost a... The flavor you get when you're crunching on espresso beans, like the chocolate-covered espresso beans, okay. you get a little bit of that bitter, mm-hmm. dark chocolate note. Mm-hmm. Um, really strong. Like, uh, that combined with you know the stuff that's seared on a, on a steak, like okay. the actual stuff right. that's just turned into carbon. Oh, there's the oats. The oats, second sip, got that slick, slimy-type mouthfeel. And it uh, kind of is, is smoothing out some of that stringency from the roast also. But yeah, roast is is the main main component on the flavor on this guy. It's just roasty, roasty, roast. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a decent comparison would be you take a piece of meat and you get it all char broiled. You scrape off all the char. Mm-hmm. And you put that in a blender with a little bit of sugar <laughs> and some alcohol. And you're kind of getting that. I think your chomping on espresso beans is pretty accurate, too, because you get a lot of that astringency. Yeah. You know, a lot of that very similar roast. Not as not as gross as what I'm imagining of of um, scraping all the soot off a steak. I just want to... <laughs> no, it's, it's not that gross. I just want to point out that that part, that flavor is there. Mm-hmm. Some of the almost pure carbon flavor with, the, with some melanoid and some, uh, some interesting uh, Maillard stuff. Mm-hmm. The more I drink it, the more apparent the oats do become. You know, oatmeal imperial stout is definitely becoming more apparent and it's all in the mouthfeel because the oats give you that... Yeah. That... See, gelatinous isn't really the right, right word because it's not nearly that thick, but it it's the viscous. It is what it is. Viscous. I mean, it's, it's uh, what you're getting is it does it, it. You you really can't taste the carbonation much at all because it all feels sort of like it's all flowing together, uh, almost almost oily. Mm-hmm. <coughs> <coughs> Down, down the wrong, wrong pipe. <laughs> Whoa. That's quick, that gag reaction. <laughs> Just like a half a drop and it went bam. <laughs> Danger, Will Robinson. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's... I'm actually, the more I drink it, the more I'm starting to really enjoy it. Yeah, I think the first sip was kind of like shock to the system, right? Because it's just so big and so yeah. bold. And as your pet tongue gets used to it, as your senses are worn down a little bit, it kind of it fits a little better. It really is it, starting to to level off. The mm-hmm. you know the extremes of it are starting to level off, and now I'm getting this. Now this the roast part is so there, uh, getting the you know getting the underlying sweetness in there, and and even a little bit of the hops are coming through. Just mm-hmm. just a smidge, enough to make it count. Now, what surprises me is how much they drink at, for the when they're doing a test at the Great American Beer Festival. You mean when they're judging it? Yeah, when they're judging. Uh, I have never witnessed it. It's not really open to the press to watch. I doubt they drink enough, like we are. I doubt they spend a couple minutes with the beer. I I don't want to wager any guesses. I mean, if it's like many competitions, then you know they're only taking a one or two sips because the flight has so many. That yeah, you, you got to be able to analyze the beer quickly. Um. So, but then again, it's also not necessarily coming from a bottle in that situation. Um. Uh, I think it all. I think you have to send in bottles. I think everything really? is coming from a bottle. I believe that doesn't make sense. There are some beers that have been at the Great American Beer Fest that never been bottled, right? I think they bought they bottle them for the judging. Oh, you've gone to the um, after the judging that party that with all the leftovers. Did you make it to no, that? No, I didn't make it to that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so after the um, after the judging, there's um, a reception in the hotel downstairs with all the leftover bottles from judging so the beers that didn't go very far still have several bottles left and you know there's still tons of good beers there and it, it's open to the brewers and 
I don't know. I've been there. No one's ever yelled at me, but I never really got a true invite to the thing. Just heard someone over, t- you know, someone was talking about you go. I'm like, yeah, where, where's that at? <laughs> it was in the lobby of the hotel? or No, no, it was in the uh, one of the banquet halls downstairs. Not in our hotel. But in the... Uh, it was one of, those, uh, one of those things Jeff didn't tell me about. It happened a couple of times. Did I, I didn't stiff you on that. Did I go? I'm not even sure. Did I go this time? I don't know. Um, but I do remember Saver when you didn't bother to tell me where you were going. Yes, that was a dick move. <laughs> Speaking so. of Saver. I guess we should start talking it up. They just tickets went on sale last week and yes. sold out. I'm like, not sure whether should I respond to my RSVP. I, no, I don't think so. Okay. I'll, I'll email Julia, but um, no, we already got our passes. Yeah, we'll be there. We got our credentials to get into the salons. So, yep, we're going to Saver is two sessions this year, which means there's 18 salons that that Greg and I have to record. <laughs> We're getting a little bit of help from uh, from some of our uh, our uh, Platinum Club listeners, and uh, it'll be a good time. I think we're gonna have to get some new equipment this year to get all eighteen salons up. And yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna record onto videotape and then pull the audio off of videotape again. That that just stinks. Especially doubling up the number of salons. No way. So yeah, it'll be a good time. Uh, I was. It, that- Hands down, my favorite of any beer fest I've been to. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, I've been to the American Beer Fest, I've been to local ones. This one, by far, the best one. I'm excited about being two sessions simply because with as many salons as they pack in, you know, like last two years, we like had no time to do anything really. Yeah. So now we get double the time to do a little bit, which will be nice, you know, outside of monitoring the recording gear during the salons. So yeah, it'll be exciting. Um,. So Savercraft Beer is, um, I wish I had, savercraftbeer.com, and I wish I had the dates in front of me right now. Great promotion of our <laughs> of our coverage. Well, I have it on my computer here, so let me take a look. There you go. Uh, it, it's in Washington, D.C., for those who don't know, and uh, they have a, a lottery every single year. And all the breweries who want to go enter into the lottery, and not everyone makes it. Like Stone, for example, is not going to be there this time. They were uh, not elect, not drawn. So you either make it or you can also sponsor it to get in, too. That's the other way you can get <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I guess there's a loophole. If you want to pay for the center circle table there, you can you can get in. June uh, 3rd to 4th. That's it. Yeah, it was the beginning of June this year. Mm-hmm. And there's a Friday night and a Saturday. Uh, 7.30 to 11 o'clock. Uh, if you're not going to three sessions, you get a hell of a long time out there to both eat and drink mm-hmm. and uh, especially, you know, one of the the food, you know, is a great point, but that's not why I like it more than every other beer fest. But I like it more than every beer fest is because the brewers are there. Oh yeah, uh, these are not volunteers who are you know there to pour the beers. These are the brewers themselves, people who work at the brewery, and the brewers themselves are there, and you can just go up and talk to them. Yeah, they've made it better every year, and I've read the press releases for this year and um, full size glassware this time. So you can get you know better scoops on the aroma and whatnot, and I believe they have two chefs heading up the the pairings department. Like you know, instead of just using caterers, they actually have chefs who cook with beer, and they're working on these on the menus and whatnot. So hopefully the uh, 
the uh, the pairings are quite uh, prevalent this year. <laughs> we said purchase tickets. We they can't. I know. It's I said sold, they sold out. out. Yeah, it sells out ridiculously fast every year. But you may be able to find someone on like eBay or something. You might be able to get some scalped ones. Um, or you know, there's a lot of great stuff going on in uh, in around DC Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. Has the Brick Skeller already closed? I'm not sure. Yeah, there was a. They're closing up the Brick Skeller. Uh, there's RFD, the, the, you know, the, the same guy owns, and that's actually closer to where Saver is. You know, it's only a couple blocks from our hotel, actually. And, uh, but you know, there's the Church Key, and there's a couple other places like uh, Pizza Paradiso that I haven't been to yet. So I'm going to definitely make a point to check them out this time down there. Oh. it... it Reopened a few new days later on a new airship called the Beer Baron, so it's Brick Skeller is still there, but it closed on December eighteenth. Mm. Okay, you want to move on to the next beer? Or do you want to blow the breathalyzer? Um, if we're gonna blow the breathalyzer, let's pause because it takes time. Okay. All right. So after the. Uh, Half a pre-show beer and, I don't know, four, five ounces of Boris each. We're at point zero two, and I'm at point zero two two, and you're at point zero two four. Right, so there you go. There, there's, your, <laughs> there's your first breathalyzer scan for the evening. Let's move on to the Carl Strauss. This was a beer that, uh, that uh, Melody, Melody from Carl Strauss... Jeff got rid of the dump bucket. Oh, yeah. I'm bogarting the dump bucket. I wasn't dumping. I was just watching out. But we still need a dump bucket for all of our water. Yes. All right. So this is their 21st anniversary, 22nd anniversary, Vanilla Imperial Stout. And it is waxed. Oof. Yeah, they show this one as two. One for now, one for like in 20 years. (laughs) So this is uh, 90% alcohol by volume, 80 SRM, 50... IBUs, brewed with vanilla beans aged three months in American oak barrel, oak bourbon barrels, and um, there you go. Say it gets better with age, we won't find out. Very thick wax coating here, it's, it's proving difficult. Well, if you want to uh, go on to a different one and, and we'll go back to this? Sure. I'll work on him while we're chit-chatting about right. Tiny. So let's go back to go to Tiny. This is from Weyerbacher. This is Cajun Court. So it's in a champagne bottle. Uh, Belgian Imperial Stout, 11.8% alcohol by volume. Mm. Now this I is, love that pop. Yep, this is called Tiny because, well, it's a, it's a big, black, roasty beer. And I asked Chris Wilson, the brewer, like, why do you, why do you call it Tiny? He's like, well, it's kind of like the, you know, the... Your, your big friend who has the nickname Tiny, right? It's like, who are you calling Tiny? So, Gotcha. Well, this one, another one that pours as dark as they come. Uh, it's just absorbing all the light thrown at it, so it's plain old black. The tan is a little, slightly less tan on the head, but just about the same as the uh, Hop and Frog. Actually, I say it's darker. It almost has this like sooty type look on the on the head. Hmm. 
I say Belgian inspired imperial stout as opposed to Belgian, but I assume that means they use some sort of candy sugar inside of it. Um, I'm not sure about the candy sugar, but they they ferment it with their Belgian house yeast. Um, Troubadour's Obscura is is a Belgian imperial stout, right? And so it's inspired off of that. So the the aroma that's coming off of this is slightly yeasty. So that would make sense because Belgian yeast does kind of find its way. Use your scissors. Oh. Find its way. Uh, okay. Into into the aromas and the taste of various Belgian beers. So you get the yeasty smell, a little bit of breadiness too, some roasties. Getting some molasses type aroma on it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, definitely. Molasses. Well, that is, every time I smell it, I smell something a little bit different. I'm not ready to go into the taste yet. I want to dig into the aroma a little bit more. I get the molasses. This time I got uh, something a little more smoky, almost like, um, like a barbecue I, I taste it, and like that's that. not surprising. <laughs> like It was almost like, you know, like when you're like smoking, you know, on a barbecue or something. I got a kind of whiff of smoke from the grill. Oh, that just smells good. Here we go. It's kind of shocking how different it is. It's smoky is is a very apt descriptor because without it being a smoked beer, it doesn't have like the the, the rock beer type mm-hmm. smokiness, like the smokiness you expect for smoky beer. It's got much more of a um, well a, a barbecued uh, right, you know, barbecue type uh, flavor to it. it. Has a pretty thin body, <laughs> you know, like a, it's like they put liquid smoke in there. Okay. Yeah, the the body was kind of surprising. It's not as thick as the Boris, right? It was kind of surprisingly thin, but, you know, the Belgian yeast, the higher attenuation, you know, thinner body left over makes sense. And, and yeah, there's definitely some some Belgian character in there. I mean, not quite, you know, um, you know, pears and, and bubblegum or anything, but there's, there's something in there that's mixing with this sound. The front of it says, I don't usually read marketing speak, but the velvety, this velvety concoction excites your senses with bottomless roasted, earthy, and vinous notes. I don't consider this velvety. It's not coming off as too roasted, a little earthy, but mostly the vinous definitely comes through. Hmm. Okay. At the end, there's kind of a, a very wine-like flavor. Mm-hmm. And it's it's startling... It's not velvety at all. I don't it's know why startling. they velvety. Get them. It, it, it's startling that the that vinousness that you were talking about, it really doesn't taste like it's vinousness mixed with roast and stout, right? It feels very pure and very mm-hmm. grapey all by itself. And that's part of the... I think that led to my comment about the body is much lighter than I suspected. Um and how it, it makes it seem like it's a lighter, uh, more effervescent beer because of that. Yeah, surprise! It does not end very dry. It surprisingly mm-hmm. ends like a white wine, mm-hmm. like a like a Chardonnay or something that's not dry. Mm-hmm. Um, you really, you know, you're left with with this kind of um, a very present flavor of of, of grapes, of, of fermented grapes. So 
Well, it's surprising, you know, what comes through when you throw those Belgian yeast in there. They're, they can do some crazy things. Mm-hmm. But it's way too highly carbonated for me to consider it velvety. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't get too hung up on that, Greg. It's just, it's marketing speak, like you said. I mean, I just, you know, I like to point out how sometimes marketing speak can differ wildly from what's Mm -hmm. actually in the bottle. And that's why I don't like to read it. This is, uh, it's pretty good. I mean, it's... I like how it, it doesn't really... It's 11%, but it's not crushing your palate, right? It finishes very clean on the sip, and you want to drink more. This could be a diabolical beer, though, right? I mean, you're drinking it, you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it, and... I give you an boom, idea, I already feel it. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, it's a strong one. 11.8 will wreck you. And this sucker, uh, you know, the um, the... The tiny <laughs> is is you know and funny in that sense it, you know yeah. it, it's true and that this is a very big beer so big just having more just a, just a little bit more I'm trying to think I think Chris yes he did so this bottle was from Saver last year okay so it had some time to age him yeah, sure yeah. yeah it's from last year and uh, yeah Chris gave it to me at the end of the session. It makes you wonder how a fresh one of these would be. Perhaps it wouldn't be as highly carbonated, because I'm pretty sure this is, this, yeah, this this is definitely bottle condition. Perhaps it wouldn't be as highly carbonated. Perhaps it would be less. Uh, well, they say vinous on there. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, so that may be a reason why it's more highly carbonated, and not velvety, as they say. Right. I think I mean it doesn't taste old at all. I think the years done it really. No, well. no, no. It, it. I mean, Cajun cork instead of bottled. Mm-hmm. Cajun cork less lets less alcohol in, and the, and the bottle con- the bottle conditioned it, also. Yeah, but it so. does let oxygen in, but it less less. Um, you know the the wax around the Carl mm-hmm. Strauss is when they really want to make sure nothing gets in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this one is 100% bottle conditioned, right? They, a still beer went in yeah. with priming sugar, and it, it fermented in the bottle. So, you know, yeah, maybe. See, I'm not, I'm not too hung up on the carbonation. I think the carbonation's. Okay. I'm not hung up on the carbonation either. I'm hung up on on the descriptors. Yeah. I think the carbonation actually works very well with the beer. Okay. I just don't like calling things velvety when they're not. Okay. But it could be someone's opinion that, you know, really prickly velvet is like, you know, sandpaper. <laughs> but I mean. <laughs> All right. So next we're going to try to get the cap off this Carl Strauss again. I used a pair of scissors that were handy to kind of score the. Uh, it's not quite working. I'm almost there. Jeff is almost there. I feel like I'm the guy in 127 hours. Trying to get my hand free. I haven't seen that. Is it uh, gory? I haven't seen it yet either. <laughs> that should be under a lot of pain if you were if your arm was that bottle. Okay, I got one little piece off. If only we had a video podcast just so you could enjoy <laughs> me struggling with this Carl Strauss. Okay, here we go. Here we so go. So once again, the car the Carl Strauss is. Brewed with vanilla beans, aged three months in American oak bourbon barrels. 
and 9% alcohol by volume, 80 SRMs of color, so it's dark. I don't know if your scale goes up to 80. Oh. (laughs) 80 SRMs, that's... uh, Actually, look at that, it's not as dark as the other guys. And because isn't isn't like SRMs like five and six up to like twenty? Uh, I think <laughs> he, is that um, yeah. I guess yeah, I think so. I think SRMs go like twenties black. Yeah. <laughs> so so this they, one is black. Yeah. However, what, there are highlights highlights on it, and when it was pouring, it didn't necessarily look you know like motor oil. Uh. 50 IBUs and limited release in kegs and 22 ounce bottles. Yeah, so this one is on the shelves now. If you are uh, in the uh, San Diego San Diego area or wherever, you know, probably most of California, I would think. Did you did you see this stat on the on what you said, where 75 percent of it is stout and 25 percent is stout aged oak barrels? Yeah, they, for some reason they don't say that on there. Okay. Yeah, so it's blended, right, where three-quarters of it is their imperial stout, and then one-quarter is oak and vanilla mixed back in. Hmm. That's an interesting, very woody aroma coming off it. Not oaky, necessarily, but woody. Yeah, what I'm smelling is a little funky. It's a little... little sulfury, a little... Little foot, footy, stinky feet. Um, really, I'm just smelling basically wood. Let's see if Greg's glass smells different than mine. Same, uh, a little different actually. Yours isn't quite as pungent. Yeah, there's a little something going on in Jeff's glass that's not going on in mine. We had two beers. Was, was yours the first pour? I don't. I don't remember which one I poured first. No, there's the funk. Yeah, smell mine now. <laughs> yeah, some funky's there. Your your cologne is like on your glass or something like that. I smell your cologne when I <laughs> sniff in your glass. I didn't put on cologne. Or something. I smell something perfumey. The soap? <laughs> no, no, it definitely smells like a cologne or something. Maybe it's deodorant, I don't know. I didn't put deodorant in my face. <laughs> Maybe it's just your essence that smells super good tonight. I guess. Well, I'm happy to report that that funky... Sulfury, footy aroma is not in the flavor. At least not yet. <laughs> Greg just chipped a tooth on the glass. I didn't chip a tooth. I just no. <laughs> poured it right back and just it all splashed <laughs> in my face. <laughs> I better pull out that breathalyzer again. <laughs> what I tasted tasted awesome. What I taste now mm-hmm. tastes awesome. Man, that's good. I like the sweetness in there. Yeah, it's it, really the, coming the through. The flavor's pretty good. I had to be. I took a second sip, and I was, you know, when you're drinking beer, 
I typically will breathe in as the beer is approaching my mouth, right, to get more aroma off of it. And when I did that, I got the yuck. And then when the beer actually hit my mouth, it's like, oh, good. So, yeah, there's something in the aromatics on this that is kind of kind of weird. But the flavor, you know, all that um, oak barrels and vanilla hide it well. The vanilla comes through very strongly. And um, I'm not a bashed vanilla fan. I love vanilla ice cream. I love chocolate because most of chocolate's vanilla. Uh, and yeah, vanilla is a, is a fantastic flavorant. And this really brings it, it really brings the vanilla through. As I've tasted other vanilla beers that really don't do as good a mm-hmm. job. I think the vanilla porter from um, Southampton, I believe. Oh. Okay, I'm not sure I'm familiar with that one. I know Atwater Block makes one. Atwater Block, yeah. I wonder if Southampton makes one, but Atwater Block definitely makes a vanilla Java porter. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really come through as much. This one's really coming through a lot. And then uh, Breckenridge makes a vanilla porter too, I think. And maybe it's the oak that's going to help smoothing it out. Mm-hmm. Oak, uh, charred oak really does that well. It helps smooth out a lot of flavors. It's definitely helps smoothing out the alcohol. Oh, I had a, um, I had a beer. I was down at Piper's when Lou Bryson was in town. And they had a cask of East End's Coffee Porter. And when they, well, Piper's has their own firkins. And they'll take firkins to East End and have the beer filled there. And then they'll age it. And I want to explain what a firkin is. Uh, a cask beer. Um, so it, it's a, a live beer. It, a firkin is something you actually, you know, you pang the, you pound the spigot in through the spigot hole with a with a firkin hand with a firkin mallet, you know, and yeah, and then it's it's hand it's firkin huge, yep, yep. and it's it's hand drawn with a hand, you know, so it's like cask beer, but instead of coming out of a keg, it's you know, it's actually done the real ale way. And uh, Piper's Pub, a Scottish inspired bar on the south side of Pittsburgh, has. Um, these firkins, they have, I think, four beer engines. Usually they're only running two, but I think they have four beer engines. Maybe maybe just three, but whatever. Um, but they had East End's Coffee Porter, and when they filled the firkin, they put some vanilla beans in it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Really fresh vanilla comes out strong, so it's like fresh vanilla beans. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was aged in there. And actually, I got to try it twice because I went out with Lou on Friday... And then Sunday, Heather and I had a date night. We went down to 17th Street Cafe, and we got there a little early. So we went back down to Piper's, and I had another pint of it. And actually, Scott was there, the brewer, because, you know, he hadn't had the beer. <laughs> and the beer was about to kick, because it was only on cast for like three days. Uh-huh. The beer was about to kick, so he was there with his daughter, you know, trying the beer. So, so that was cool. But it wasn't nearly as good on Sunday as it was on Friday. It really, I mean, cask beer changes a lot as it works its way through that cask so hmm. but oh yeah that was delicious i mean too bad too bad i can't say you just go try it it was so just what you're saying is this carl shaw sort of reminds you of that in, yeah in its vanilla component yeah big vanilla flavor this one's probably even bigger um yeah, it's definitely bigger because the east end was you could tell it was vanilla but it, how do i want to say it it wasn't wasn't obvious, right? It wasn't beating you over the face saying, hey, it wasn't gratuitous. There. <laughs> it wasn't gratuitous vanilla. Like, this this is good, but it's gratuitous vanilla, right? It's I like, disagree that it's gratuitous. I think it works really well. I think that it's, you know, it's very vanilla forward. 
mm-hmm. but that's part of the beer itself. I mean, oh, I, it's, I, it's intended. It's a vanilla imperial. Well, I, did, I didn't mean bad. I just meant you know it, it's it's showing. Well, Gratuitous means overdoing. No. Well, not overdoing, but blatantly obvious is is what I thought gratuitous meant more so. If it's gratuitous, it's overdone. Okay. It's like there's been, you know, the, the Charlie Sheen jokes are gratuitous at this point. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's... Um, I'm going to have a hard time figuring out where this beer ranks tonight because it's the best tasting beer of the night, but it's the worst smelling. <laughs> you drink it. But most of flavor is, is smell. It's olfactory. But you drink it. And but, when you drink but it, I it have to, good. I have to be careful not to breathe in as I'm drinking it. Otherwise, it, it wrecks the taste. It, it, the, there is a serious defect in the aroma on this beer. I'm just, I'm not sure whether that's just woodiness. It's no, it's it's some kind of, um, it, it's it's some kind of wild yeast infection or something. Well, it, it's that nasty flavor from the flavor active kit. Which but one we is can that? judge the beer because of its taste. So we can. Ass- I mean, it's reasonable to assume that that aroma, if that is based on a wild yeast that shouldn't be there, is not in every batch. Might have been in a whole barrel, you know. So that it might have been in a whole barrel, but that's only what? How many bottles? Well, I mean that's only a quarter of the beer, so that's that's four barrels worth of beer, you know, four oak barrels worth of beer. Then, so it's pretty widely spread. I don't know. The aroma is is seriously off, though. I mean, I love well, the we'll flavor. Get to it. We'll get to it during the ranking. But are we ranking right now? I mean, no. We you know, we up. should do we should do a breathalyzer to see how bad we are to see whether we can do the, do other the one. last beer. Yeah. All right. All right, so we're at a point about point oh six now. Yeah, Jeff, you're at five point seven or five point nine, and I was like yeah. at six point three. So I think we can do one more, especially with with the post show. Mm-hmm. We should be good. So we're gonna do Bell's Batch nine thousand. You can't get this anymore. You yeah. might be able to find this somewhere. I mean, I think they're. I think they've brewed Batch ten thousand recently. Yeah. So, um, this is a big Imperial Stout with brewer's licorice and molasses in it. And it was a little rough around the edges when it was fresh. Uh, I bought a case of it, and I split it with two people, so uh, I had actually had 12 bottles to myself. And I liked it when it was uh, fresh, but I'm like, you know, I'm going to save some. And you want to have a case of it in my, in my trunk, actually? What's that? Breakfast stuff. Oh, Nice. I just threw the cap in the dump bucket. I'll have to fish that out later. Uh, I had one of these yesterday. It was only $56. I was like, yeah, let me do that. I can save this for a while. I had one of these yesterday. And I'll say the past year or so, the past 1,000 batches, has done this beer well. Uh, 12.5% alcohol. 12.5% our biggest beer of the night. And then the smallest, most diminutive bottle. Original gravity eleven one point one one six shelf life unlimited. I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's what they say. Uh, it's a bottle and draft. No more drafts, I imagine. You no, may be able no. to find a bottle or two of this. Uh, you'll be paying hefty premiums if you're looking for a bottle of batch nine thousand. So hopefully you already own some, and you're just using this as a reference point, as a benchmark for your own seller. Good, good idea. Wow, licorice notes. Um, so, 
Greg, uh, the first thing I want to say is when when someone says Russian Imperial Stout to me, and I, I imagine an aroma, I pretty much imagine something very, very similar to this. I don't know if I imagine it with this much licorice in it, but like you said, they use brewer's licorice, which is like... Mm-hmm. What I will say, though, is you know, based on this vanilla and just from the aroma of this one, to anybody who still says the only true beer is Ryan Heinzkeboot, I say you are missing out. There's a very interesting article um, that just ran it ran in a bunch of stuff. It was on Newsweek about how like German beer is dying out and stuff. And check out uh, Stan Hieronymus's blog, uh, Appalachian Beer. No, not Appalachian. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of how to say it right now. Can't think. All that the whole six percent is yeah. changing is making it crazy. Stan Stan's blog. Um, I don't want to say it again because I'm going to say it wrong. Whatever. But he wrote up. He had a, he interviewed some German brewers and whatnot, and he put a good spin on the Rheinheitsgebot. boat. I mean, not it still not convince you that it's the only way to brew beer, but it's not that handcuffing. He talked about in Germany the 27 different kinds of barley milk. The yes, yes, yes. The, no, no. I agree. The, you can yeah. brew incredible beers based just on Ryan Heinz. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what the uh, the infinite the infinium that we tried, right? Mm-hmm. The same animal yeah. was trying to make that point that you can brew something uh, along those lines. On at the same token, though, we live in a world full of ingredients, mm-hmm. and it's almost a crime not to start using the the stuff that can be used oh, sure. and can make better beers in beer. And then the claim that you know this subset is is the only stuff that's valid. I, I totally disagree with that idea. Right. This is more so arguing for anyone who thinks that a Ryan Hutzkoba beer has to be an inferior beer. That's not true at all. Right. I, I okay. totally disagree with that. And, and just the way that it was put, the way the argument was put, I thought it was interesting. And I'll send you a link to it because I think you'll appreciate it. Sounds good. San Her- San Hermanus. Hieronymus. San Hieronymus. Yeah. I think you met Stan. I probably did. I'm I'm not good at remembering. It, it he, took me it took me three days to learn Jeff's name. So <laughs> I'm not he, good at he, putting. He names wrote um, "Brew Like a Monk" and "Brewing with Wheat." Um, I'll show you a picture of him. I'm sure. I I think you might have met him last time out. We were out in Denver. But anyway, back to the Bell's Batch Nine Thousand. So the aroma on this thing, it, it's chock full of dark fruit, right? You got the licorice in there, but you got cherries, prunes, um, raisins, you know. And when I think Russian Imperial Stout, you know, I think it's more dark fruity than it is roasty barley. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you there. And, and you know, that's kind of my wheelhouse right there. When it's the dark fruit over the roasty barley... Even though I like Hoppin' Frog's Boris, I love when I get me a, an Imperial Stout that is, you know, that. that the only thing fruit. is I find sometimes, not all the time, but I find sometimes if you go too far in the fruity direction, it can come, it can become a little cloying. Mm-hmm. And so I like when roasty flavors take over, at least when they balance. Right. Um, I don't like just a beer that just tastes like you're, you're drinking plum juice, you prune juice, you know, you, okay. I don't want that. Yeah, this one might be a little past the balance point for you then. It's, it's kind of sweet. Because I, I did have a taste before I said that. So yeah, it, it's, it's moved a little bit in the, 
fruit direction. I, don't, I wouldn't. I don't know whether I would call it cloying, but it's past the point of balance. Mm-hmm. It's definitely sweeter. Uh, it's really. I mean, any harshness that was there is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, at twelve point five percent, you can't detect the alcohol. It's it, sneaky, it, isn't it's, it? It's it's a <laughs> sneaky bastard. This one. Um, yeah, it's a uh, yeah. I, I, it, it's a very, very tasty beer, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. However, I do want to caution people, caution brewers, I guess, essentially, that you don't want to overdo the fruitiness. And mm-hmm. this might be a smidge on the overdoing it, but the, yeah. but the, the, all, all the stuff coming together is enough to take it back. And I'm not a licorice fan. Sorry, rambling. I'm not a licorice <laughs> fan, but uh, that is also helping. Mm-hmm bring some of the fruit back gotcha yeah the i kind of really really sounded like i was in love with this beer when i was talking about the aroma i the excuse me the flavor i still like a lot but i don't think i don't want people to think that i'm saying that batch 9000 is the perfect imperial stout i think it is a little sweet a little on the fruity side but all in all it's a hell of a beer. I'm really enjoying it, but I don't think it's perfect. I think a little drying it out a little bit, a little roast in there might might help it out a little bit more. Agreed. Cheers. Cheers. Well, you know what that clink means. So now I got to figure out how it's I'm going right. to rank the Carl Strauss. Yeah. How much do I penalize it for a pretty disgusting aroma? One thing I will say is that all these beers are winners in our eyes. <laughs> uh, these are, uh, I, I don't think there's a bad one in the bunch. And it's going to be hard, you know, very hard luck loser for whoever loses. If I could have, I'm like, I'm like, oh, if I could only get the Carl Strauss where it smells like it tastes, it, it would have been. You know what it would have been? There's this, you know, you know, the Three Floyds Dark Lord, right? Greg's, Greg's he's doing smell a side, anything the He's doing a sidebar right now. He's smelling out the neck of the bottle of the Carlos Yes, Carlos. I know what the dark floor. Yes. Okay. I remember so, I remember the first time we had it, it really wasn't very creamy. And the second time it was, it, was it had that milkshake, yeah. yeah. It had that viscous that so viscosity. They've done a vanilla bean dark floor, right? It's 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 the Moby Dick. It's the white whale, right? You just can't find it. No one can get it, but it's ranked in the top of your advocate beers, right? And the flavor on the Carl Strauss is like what I almost like what I would imagine the mythical vanilla bean dark lord would taste like, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just tastes awesome, but it's so hard to like remember. Don't breathe, don't breathe. It smells gross, and just taste the flavor on the beer. You know, I have to penalize it so I just gotta figure out how much. So why don't you go? I figured that out. Okay, um, I sort of disagree with Jeff. I mean, yes, I uh, it makes difference the aroma but the taste was so good and I am such a vanilla fan that you know I have to imagine that not all the beers you know smell the way if I have another bottle and it smells this bad then my ranking should be considered null and void but for right now uh, I am dis- disregarding the smell and only going by the taste of the beer and by that measure I believe that Carl Strauss is number one um, it was delicious it had the vanilla coming through it was awesome I loved it Loved it. Much better than Cats. <laughs> See who gets that a reference. Uh, and, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's also not the highest alcohol in the bunch, but it was really tasty, and I think the vanilla comes through really well, and the oak really helped to mild some of those flavors. Some of those flavors that weren't necessarily mild, but were very, very delicious in my number two, which is, I, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Hoppin' Frog. Uh, I think that the, the roastiness that came through, especially after uh, after a while, um, in, in, when you got used to it, it was really good. I loved the, um, the, the oatmeal part of it. Um, just give it a few sips, and once you get past that point, I think you'll really start to really, really enjoy it. I love the sort of the espresso... Uh, the, the espresso bean flavor they got from it. I guess, I guess I'm going to go with Batch 9000 next. A little bit of a cheat. You can't get that anymore. Uh, but I think it got a little bit too fruity. Otherwise, it might be number one. Um, it's got a little bit too in the fruity stages and not quite as balanced as it would be otherwise. And my last hard luck loser is Tiny. I think it's great. I really do. Um... I love the Vinius aspect of it. I love the Belgian part of it. Um, I don't know whether you're going to get that same flavor on a beer that is released today as opposed to a beer that you've been keeping for a year. And that's probably why I had to rank it last. All right. I'm I'm struggling with this. My my top beer of the night is going to have to be Bell's Batch 9000. It's not the perfect Imperial style, but <laughs> you can see it from there. A mm. um, little too sweet, but dark fruit. If you're a dark fruit fan and the brewer's licorice you know, doesn't throw you off, because I you know Hart from, um, he, works, he works at Piper's now, he doesn't, you know. He, uh, he was really down on this beer because he doesn't like brewer's licorice or licorice at all, right? That it was overdone in the licorice, but I might have to give him a bottle or of this stuff after a year because I think it's kind of mellow. Why is his heart moved to Piper's? He, he's a... So Hart's working on opening his own place. And uh, so he's working... You know, he was working at Mad Max recently and now he's working at Piper's. You know, he's, he's working he's, at, he gets around. He's working at all the good uh, good beer places. I didn't mention his, his longtime employer that Greg thought he probably still worked at, but... He's working at Piper's now. Why wouldn't you mention? I don't know. Sharp Edge. Okay, fine. Whatever. But he's working at open his own place called the uh, the River City Owl House. And, uh, but his business plan is uh, he's still working that part out. Financing all that fun stuff. But uh, you know, he didn't like this beer when he came out. He had some harsh things to say about it. I'm curious what he thinks about it today. Anyway, number two... Number two is really tough for me. It's it's. I, I'm debating between the Hop and Frog and the Wirebacher Tiny. Neither, neither was exactly what I was looking for. I'm trying to think which aspects I liked a little bit better. I think I'm going to have to go with the Tiny. Uh, I found it very drinkable, and the Vinius quality was was interesting it was um a juxtaposition if you will where it was a flavor that didn't belong in such a dark beer dark big beer but it made it you know more drinkable uh i liked it a lot uh number three is the hop and frog which kind of makes me sad a little bit because i he's been in my 
um, pantheon of, of best imperial stouts. And for some reason, tonight didn't taste quite as good. Um, like Greg said, after a few sips, it got I got used to it. I got in tune. It was better. But it didn't ever taste luscious like I remember it tasting. And uh, I did penalize the Carl Strauss quite a lot because of that aroma. I, I can't separate the two. I, I love the flavor. The flavor was amazing. I, everything Greg said about the flavor, I can't disagree with. But if you make a beer that smells like feet and it tastes like heaven, that's not right because most of most of what you're tasting is aroma and olfactory anyway. And, and the whole smell like feet was just too big of a penalty to get over. Okay. So that's it. That's Wanna it. Want to blow the breathalyzer one last time? Let's do it. All right, so we blew our uh, breathalyzers. My first blow scared me a little bit. It said that I was point one four five, which is high. But, but Jeff I had, had a little bit of residue in. His I mouth. didn't rinse my mouth out after the beer, which was interesting. So I took a swig of water, rinsed my mouth out, and I blew a point oh six five, which is well under legal limit. Yeah, I'm at like point seven three, I think. So then I was waiting for the the breathalyzer. Oh seven three, I should say. I was waiting for the breathalyzer to count down. And I took a big sip and I swished it all around my mouth and swallowed it right when it was like a half a second to go. And then I blew, I blew a half a percent. Point five. If you had a half a percent alcohol on you, you would essentially be either in a coma or dead. One of the two. <laughs> and I'm in neither. So I am superhuman. I win. <laughs> this is winning. It's very funny what a, what a, what a mouthful of alcohol would do. But I mean, that's a, you know, a good example of how that thing works. It's awesome. They say you can't cheat the breathalyzer. I guess they mean you can't cheat it down because obviously having beer in your mouth affects well, yeah we'll cheat it up yeah. yeah all right so thanks for listening to craft beer radio and uh we'll see you next time hey that was episode 175 okay that's just a big monumental number to to humans well, says brains. 176 or 177 or 174 but that's like 103 quarters yes but i We'll go on to this on the post show. I knew Greg wouldn't like it. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Everybody loves the stars, we fit in a lot We will find a new place